what love means to a child. These are some things that came from children ages four through eight, what love means. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. <laughs> love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People, <laughs> people forget. A four-year-old's chi four child's next-door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went into the old gentleman's yard, climbed up onto his lap, and he just sat there. When his mother asked what he had said to the neighbor, the little boy said nothing. I just helped him cry. It's my favorite. This morning, I'm talking about the four faces of love. Actually, I'm only talking about two of them. There are those who say that the moment we are born, we are, are, are already dying. Others exclaim that the moment we're born, we're alive. And both of these statements are true. There is an end to our life as we know it on this planet in this form. We're not getting out of here alive the way that we are now. And much has been written about the effect that that knowledge has on the human psyche. And some speak to the apparent futility of it all. I mean, if we're going to die anyway, what is the point of being here in the first place? Why bother? Why are we here? So both statements are true at the moment. At the moment. The minute we're born, we're already dying. The moment we're born, we're already here. Or as my little grandnephew Silas says every morning when he wakes up, he says, yay, it's today. <laughs> <clears throat> I guess it's a matter of what we choose to focus on. Silas is focusing on today. I think it's also a matter of why. Why are we here? And I believe that the reason that we are here is to love. I think we're here to learn how to be love. Not just talk about it, not just say it. I think we're here to learn how to be love. And for the next few weeks, we are going to be working with Thich Nhat Hanh's book, True Love, which is the Buddhist practice of learning how to be love. And it's a very simple, tiny little book, which I'm told we don't have. Um, which is not our bookstore manager's fault. She tried, but um, it is available other places. So um, I encourage you to get it. It's a very sweet, very user-friendly book. Um, very Buddhist, very Zen, so very um, simple. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Just it speaks. It speaks in a language that we all know. We're going to be learning how to be love. Thich Nhat Hanh says... Who knew? Training is needed in order to love properly. You must practice deep looking directed at the person you love. Because if you do not understand this person, you cannot love properly.
Understanding is the essence of love. And so Larry and I are going to be using this book all month. And look at it. It's just tiny. It's amazing that you can stretch it out to a whole month, and yet you can. It states in here that there are four elements, four expressions, if you will, of love. I'll be dealing with the first two this morning. In total, they are loving kindness, compassion, joy, and freedom. This morning, I'm speaking to loving kindness, which is defined as the ability, the ability to bring joy and happiness to those you love. And compassion is the desire and, again, the ability to ease the pain of another. So he is not speaking here to, um, to just our wanting to do it. He is speaking to our ability to be it, to learn how to be it so that we can have the desire to bring people happiness. We can have the desire to bring people love. And if the desire is really authentic, if it's really true, if it's very real, we can acquire the ability and that's what the practice is about in this book. And what the practices look like, he suggests, and these are statements that you say to yourself, and it may be that you say it to another person. And the first one is, dear one, I am really here for you. And the second one is, dear one, I know that you are suffering. That's why I am here. Both of these statements can serve to bring us here so that we can be with another. And when we talk about true love in this sense, we're not talking about um, the 60s um, rock ballads by girl groups, or um, we're not talking, which were awesome, by the way, I think. Um, I've heard tell. I was just a child at the time. Um, <coughs> So we're not talking about the gushy, romantic, the smothering, the what I call faux love, which is really all about me, you know, how I'm feeling at any given moment and blah, blah, blah. I started to say it's really fun, but I found it not so much fun at all, actually. Um, the love here, true love, is not about what I am feeling. It's about how I might show up for you. So it isn't about me. It's about me showing up for you. And it's about getting, really getting, that in order to show up for you, A, I have to stop still long enough, and B, I have to really understand you as another human being. So true love is not about the giver. It's about learning how to give. So that what we are giving is going to be received. It's about showing up in the world with an open heart, it's about being fully present. In order to truly love, we have to be fully present. And like everything else in a mindful life, in an intentioned life, there are practices that can assist us in getting us to where we want to be, which is to express who and what we truly are. Because expressing love, I believe, is just simply a natural unfoldment of the truth of us. 
So it's not anything we have to build or invent. It already is us. And Reverend Larry spoke last week about being aware of our own power, which is the power of the God within, and then actually using it. So it is more than, in religious science in particular, my observation is we're really, really good at study groups and classes and learning all about the principles. Some of us might need just a teensy little nudge to actually use the principles and use what we are learning, use what we teach. Because we're here to use it, we're here to be, we're here to express. There is a singer-songwriter, Blake Moody, that has appeared on this stage before, and I love his music. And one of the lyrics, and I think it was the last time he was here, I'm not sure about that, just really struck me, it stayed with me, which is, at every moment there is a reason to love. At every moment there is a reason to love. And I believe that we are the reason. Thich Nhat Hanh asks, Dear one, do you have enough space in your heart and all around you? And not to amend what Thich Nhat Hanh is saying, but I ask, do you understand that you have enough space in your heart and all around you? Do you remember that that's the truth of you? And if you forget... How do you remember that? And he has some practices in here that assist us. Um, we're teaching a meditation class currently, and a roots class as well. In the meditation class, they introduced in the material a simple little practice. In fact, it seemed too simple. It's a breathing exercise, just like those in here. Thich Nhat Hanh suggests that... Um, in order to become more fully present, practice being fully present, that we use the breath, which is easy because we all have that. And just simply doing a little practice where as you breathe in and breathe out, you just acknowledge, I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out. And I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out. Another practice that we introduced in class last week in the meditation class was to count your breaths up to four and then start over. And I read that and I thought, well, <laughs> that seems kind of silly. Who can't do that? I mean, what's the point of that? So I did it. <laughs> and about the second or third round, I lost my place. <laughs> because the mind just kind of goes all over the place. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then you just kind of bring it back. But breathing practices are a really good handy way of practicing becoming fully present by doing things that we normally do without thought, doing them with thought, just, just noticing. Because in doing that, we focus. We just simply focus our attention. And when we do that, we bring our attention from out here into right here. And that's when we become fully present. So then and only then do we have what Thich Nhat Hanh calls the ability to be with another. Because first we have to be with ourselves. And I think that many of us would rather do almost anything 
than be with ourselves, than be with our own thoughts. We'd rather do anything. The thing is that until and unless I can be fully present with myself, I cannot possibly show up for you. Not in a real way, not in the way he's talking about in this book. I can't be there for you until I'm there for me. I can't be there for you until I am comfortable in my own skin, in my own body, with my own thoughts. And many of us, <clears throat> excuse me, particularly women, I think, because we are taught to be nurturers more than men, although I don't believe that men are not nurturers as well, but many of us are really perceive ourselves as very good at being supportive of others. We're very willing to be out here being there for somebody else. And I wonder if sometimes we would rather be out here doing for somebody else because then we don't have to sit with our own stuff. The thing is, until I can sit with my own stuff, I can't sit with yours. I can't be there for you. Not really. And chances are, if I'm not in my own life, in my own body, with my own self, I'm probably not even going to notice what's going on with you because I'm too busy trying not to notice what's going on with me. Either that or I might see what's going on with you and think that it's going on with you when it really is going on with me, but I don't want to see it going on with me, but that's a whole other subject. <laughs> so we can begin with mindful breath. We can cultivate an inner awareness of who and what we are and where we are at any given moment in our thoughts, in our feelings. And then from that place, it is only natural that when we are fully present, fully grounded, we have the ability to notice what might be going on with you that you are not saying, that you're not talking about. And then I can be fully present with you, but only then. Dear one, I know you are suffering. That is why I am here for you. Can you imagine, can you imagine if unsolicited, a friend, a loved one, came to you and said that to you? Can you imagine how that would feel? In the absence of anything that you ask, someone just is there for you, is really there for you. Not fixing anything, just standing with you, just being with you. As some of you know, I have an unusually big family. I mean, it's a big family. My parents are in their mid-80s. I'm the oldest of seven children. All of us have children. All of us have grandchildren. Some of us have great-grandchildren. It's a lot of kids, a lot of people. And we're known, the Lees, for being a very close family. And I don't mean close as in 
daily contact or weekly lunch even or anything like that. Just close as in if anything happens, we just circle up. We're known for that. That's just what we do. Just over two weeks ago, um, one of my brothers died. It was a first for us, for our big family. We're not good at it. If anybody gets good at it, we're not practiced at it. It was very sudden, and it was stunning. And it was shocking. And we were devastated. Absolutely devastated. And I discovered again that that saying is really true, a broken heart is an open heart. Because it is. Because something happened, I think maybe it had to do with the suddenness of it. I don't know that, having not been through this before. But I know, speaking for myself personally, I got so zapped so quickly, I had absolutely no time to rally up any defenses whatsoever. None. I was just brought down, just like that. And so what happened was, our family, we literally, and I mean literally, in some cases, held ourselves up, held each other up. We were, dozens of us, dozens, 100% fully, absolutely present in a way that I have never observed our family being before. And like I say, our family is unusually close. Not like this. This loss has given birth to a greater level of intimacy in my family among these dozens of people that I observed close up and personal for a week. And I have no way of knowing what's happened to every single person since then. I do know that what has happened in my family I am now referring to as Gary's gift, my brother Gary. Because many of us continue now to be fully present. We are not making all this go away. It hasn't really even occurred to me to try to make it go away because it feels like I'm honoring my, brother, my brother's life by being fully present for everything that I am feeling. And because I can do that, I am fully present for what my parents are feeling, which must just be heartbreaking, because I know my heartbreak is big. And so, in the midst of this grief, we are saying, Dear one, I know that you are suffering. I am here for you. And it changes who you are or it gets us back to who we are. Because some, there's something about all of this that feels more authentic than any way I have ever been in my life. Being fully present with myself and with others. And the ironic thing is, my husband, we do not live together. Many of you know that as well. Um, he's in California. I have not seen him for almost two months. My husband did this. 
he doesn't know he did this and I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> but that's what he did. With phone calls and emails, that's what he did. Dear one, I know that you are suffering. I am here for you. He didn't try to fix it, didn't try to make it go away. Just stood with me because that's all you can do. And that's everything. It's everything. That's love. That's true love. The first, the New Testament of the Bible, John 4, 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this philosophy, we teach that God is all there is. There is only one life. That life is God. That life is love. That life is my life now. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're here to love. Not the activity, the beingness of it, the open-heartedness of it, the being fully present of it. That's why we're here. Dear one, I am here for you. That's God in action. And that's true love. Let us pray. And so in this moment of remembering, I am remembering that there is only one life. I call it God, and it is everything. Expressing itself in, through, and as all that has ever been or will ever be. And it is eternal. It has always been, it will always be. And so that means there is that within us, as us, which is also eternal. So that any of us who have ever lived, walked on this planet, breathed on this planet in some way continues to live in the hearts and the minds of every single one of us. Because the love that we are is alive and well and always will be. And so I speak this word for and about everyone in this sanctuary this morning, affirming a willingness to remember that, to live that, to be that. To be the love that is the truth of every single one of us, knowing that that is what changes. That is what transforms. That is what lifts each and every one of us up into that place of power, of love, of knowing, of remembering that who and what we are is brilliant beyond measure. Always has been. I affirm a willingness to be that, to choose that. To every morning wake up and think and say out loud, yay, it's today. It's today. Another chance to be love. And in gratitude for knowing that the truth of every single one of us is just simply that. Love itself. I release this word knowing it's done. I let it be. And so it is. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you.